The following is a high five moment from highfivecasino.com. Welcome to Burger Yippee. Would you like a hot apple pie today? Yes, yes, yeah, I won. Woohoo! So that's a yes on the apple pie? I just went big time playing high five casino on my phone. Real cash prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. Yeah. So yes or no on the apple pie? Woo! I won again. I'll take that as a yes. Drive around. Have you had your high five moment today? Only at highfivecasino.com. High five casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High five casino. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Welcome to Fitness Disrupted, a production of iHeartRadio. I am Tom Holland, and this is Fitness Disrupted. Say it frequently, I have the greatest job in the world, love what I do, and today is one of those days. They're all one of those days, but some are even better than others. And this is one of them because I get to interview Krista Scott Dixon. Okay, going to call her KSD going forward, but she's amazing. And I only bring you the most amazing guests that are going to help you live your best life. And that goes for the Dr. Daniel Liebermans of the world, the Dr. Brad Schoenfeld, you know, coming to you, Dr. Michelle Olson. They all have their specialties. And all of those people are at the top of their game, as is KSD. And I love KSD for so many reasons, but especially because we share a lot of similarities, which is often why we like people, (laughs) right, when they're like us. But she has an eclectic background, and a huge part of that is the psychology, which if you've listened to my podcasts and, you know, what I study and what is so important is the psychology of everything we're talking about here because, yes, we know we need to burn more and eat less if we want to lose weight. But how do we do that? And when you have someone of KSD's caliber and level of expertise and background uniquely, uniquely positioned to help you understand things and make those changes. All right, so let me just get right to it and read you her bio. Krista Scott Dixon, PhD, is Precision Nutrition's Director of Curriculum. She earned her doctorate in women's studies from York University. She holds counseling certifications from George Brown College and Leading Edge Training, which is certified by the Canadian Psychological Association. Currently, she is pursuing a master's degree in counseling psychology at Yorkville University in New Brunswick, Canada. Never stop studying. It's a huge sign that someone is truly passionate, loves what they're doing, and realizes, as I do, 
that we can never stop learning, all right? In her role at Precision Nutrition, Dr. Scott Dixon develops the curriculum for the PN Women's and Men's Coaching Programs, the PN Level 1 Certification, and the PN Level 2 Certification Masterclass, along with other educational guides and courses such as the Science and Practice of Macros. Dr. Scott Dixon is the co-author of PN's Level 1 textbook, The Essentials of Nutrition and Coaching, and she's also contributed to an extensive list of academic publications, book chapters, website articles, and reports. Dr. Scott Dixon is well-known for her ability to help real people with real lives understand, embrace, and master the complex issues of nutrition, health, and lifestyle improvement. She's a sought-after speaker, writer, and podcast guest who has presented to organizations, businesses, and conferences around the world. She's amazing. She's unique, and she can so help you, as I said, understand issues you are confused about and help you make those behavioral changes. And let me just say this before I bring her on. In researching her, as I do every guest, read all the books and art and, you know, read their articles and listen to podcasts and watch videos. She said two words that just confirmed to me in response to a question that she was everything I thought she would be. And we have talked about those two words with other guests and almost without exception, every single guest I have brought to you says these two words in response to a question. And it shows there. I'll I'll leave it at approach, but we're going to talk about it. And it made me laugh out loud as I heard her say it. I had already written it down in my show notes, but she said it, you know, within another podcast. And actually, it was funny in response to a question that was very leading and very biased. (laughs) Uh, But I'm that's it. But it just told me everything I needed to know. Closed the laptop, said we're good to go done my research. Research was done. And I'm going to bring her to you. All right. So excited. The best of the best, unique, and someone who can absolutely help you better your life. All right. Quick break. When we come back, KSD. We'll be right back. The following is a high five moment from highfivecasino.com. I won! Private, put down your phone. This is the army. Sarge, High Five Casino is a social casino. It's on your phone. goes wherever you go. I win free spins, cash, prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. I won again. Platoon, present cell phone. High Five. High Five. Casino. Casino. Win at HighFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High Five Casino. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. 
Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, stay connected wherever you go and transform your vehicle into a dependable Wi-Fi hotspot. Powering applications like real-time GPS and voice assistant, navigation becomes a breeze. Even on the practice field, AT&T in-car Wi-Fi keeps you connected while in proximity of your vehicle. Work, stream shows, or finish homework without missing a beat. See if you're eligible for a free trial at att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi. Don't let connectivity be a roadblock in your journey. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't try distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. And we are back. As I said in the intro, I have the greatest job in the world. And a huge part of that is that I get to speak with people like KSD. Just amazing. I I, I said, KSD, I had so much fun researching <laughs> you and your podcast and things you have done in the past. First of all, thank you so much for taking the time. Oh, my pleasure. I'm so happy to be here with you. Oh, my gosh. There's so many places to start. Let me just start by saying I just had on Michael Easter, who wrote The Comfort uh, Crisis. Yeah. I'm sure you know well. And, you know, your name obviously is in the book. And it's just, it's amazing how the world gets really small and the, the names just kind of jump out and the connections are there, right? It's it's amazing. And, you know, not a couple days later, um, I was talking about booking you. So uh, how cool is that book? Did you, it, He's just an amazing guy, right? So smart. Well, he, he is. And it's funny because I saw uh, just kind of like a media release about his new book. And I'd known him for, you know, years before that. We, you know, I helped him out with a couple of stories. And I saw that he had this new book and I, I messaged him. I was like, oh, my God, congratulations. That's so great. You know, what a wonderful thing to put a book out. And then I read it and I was like, oh my God, I'm in it. <laughs> it was so unexpected. <laughs> Did he not tell you? I don't know because he, he was asking me about Trevor Cashy and that was what the piece that made it to the book was was about Trevor Cashy. Yes. Uh, but no, he never told me that like I would be cited in the book as the authority on Trevor Cashy, which is even funnier. Like the quote that I have about Trevor is is funny. So <laughs> I have it right here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And what an amazing. Yeah. I mean, so much to talk about. He just you, you worked with him, right? Let's just tell people really quickly. Um, He's a, a interesting guy who you went to even knowing all that, you know, but and what we'll talk about KSD is like, he goes to the simplicity. He goes to all those places. I would argue that most don't in this industry and should, but give just a quick, you know, uh, summary of your experience with him. Well, okay. So yeah. So for folks don't know, like Dr. Trevor Cashy is like this kind of child prodigy who, you know, completed one of the hardest PhDs at some early point in his 20, I think it was like 23. Don't quote me on that one, but you know, he's just an incredibly brilliant, unconventional, creative you know, thinking outside the box kind of guy who is like deeply dedicated to uh, evidence-based practice and that kind of stuff while also keeping it super simple. And, and I mean, if you want to go to the crazy place of super details, he will take you there. Like he is your guide. And, you know, one of the challenges for people that work in the industry is who do I get as my coach? Uh, And it's not necessarily about information because that's rarely the issue unless you're doing some crazy, you know, elite competition of some kind. Rarely is information the challenge. It's more like organizing and synthesizing and and prioritizing. And so that's what I went to him for. I was like, you're really one of the few people that I can work with because I know that I can't bullshit you. I know that you're (laughs) more trained than me. You know, it's always, it's always, Good to find someone smarter and better and more competent than you. Uh, so that was that was why I went to him back in the day. And is that amazing though? I mean, everyone needs a coach, KSD. It's like whether it's yeah. psychological, physical, you know, every top athlete has a coach, but yet we, you know, almost apologize <laughs> because we don't want to say we don't. Of course we know what to do, but and that's gonna be a huge part of this interview, KSD, mm-hmm. is that 
you know, it's we know we need to move more. We know we need to eat better. But it's the psychology. It's the human behavior. And you touch upon that in just about everything you talk about because it's so connected. And I wrote down the line. It's all over your social media. It should probably disturb you, like uh, the quotes I'm going to pull up. But, um, you know, you had one quote that said someone said to you, I assume, why don't you just stick to talking about nutrition? Because yeah. you, because you can't. <laughs> because you no. need someone like Dr. Kashi, right? Well, and and you even just from a practical sense, like I'll give you a very real example that's happening right now. So a lot of people will often say, uh, don't bring politics into nutrition. Just stick to the nutrition. Or don't bring social issues into it. Or don't bring environmental issues into it. Well, I'm talking to you from Vancouver, British Columbia, where currently almost every single highway in and out of the city is blocked because of massive flooding and mudslides. And so we have had like an ecological catastrophe as a result of climate change, which has, you know, largely um, damaged and potentially destroyed huge swaths of farmland and food can't get out and in on trucks. So there are cities and towns right now that are cut off from the rest of the world. Now, let me tell you, not being able to find food in your grocery store or not being able to afford the food that's produced because, you know, the cost of beef or eggs or whatever is going to skyrocket because those cows and chickens got washed away in a flood. Like, all of a sudden, your nutrition is deeply connected to the rest of the world. And I think we tend not to realize it because most of the time, uh, we just go to the grocery store and we buy food and we think that it's not related to anything else. But someone, something has to produce and process and package and bring that food to you. And, you know, policies shape it, uh, whether that's environmental or political or social or whatever. So nutrition and food and eating is so incredibly connected to a bunch of other things that many of us just don't have to notice until they're dramatically disrupted. Right. You talk about um, have a uh, graphic of a biopsychosocial model, right, that goes right to what you're talking about and how, you know, it's social, physical, financial, mental, cultural, emotional. There's a lot going on. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. But what I love is even I would argue, Casey, your definition of Dr. Kashi, I would apply directly to you as well. You have this incredible, you know, wealth of knowledge, but you need to distill it down for the average person. Right. And you know, what you talked about, let me just scroll here. You know, it, it's, I call it second level stuff, KSD, where, you know, you were being interviewed about DNA. I'll go right to it, <laughs> which is where your eyes glazed over. And I would argue, <laughs> I would argue this particular interview had a bias and he kind of wanted you to go there and support his bias. And you used two words that I talked about in the beginning in your intro. It depends. And every yes. <laughs> single guest I have on KSD, everyone at some point says those two words. It depends. Yeah. Right. And and that's what is so complicated, but not about what we're trying to talk about here when it comes to exercise and nutrition and motivation. It depends. It really does. And I think where the knowledge comes in is the base of the iceberg. And so when you have someone that has an incredible amount of expertise and most importantly, experience, right? Because when you learn a bunch of stuff in the beginning, you do want to dispense it and vomit it all over the world. And then with experience, you realize it's just not a great strategy. And so what, what starts to happen is the base of your iceberg gets bigger and bigger and deeper and deeper, but the tip of the iceberg gets smaller and smaller and pointier, right? And so it's kind of like that parable of, you know, when you hire the repair person, they show up and they knock the hammer a couple times on the pipe and fix everything. And then they send you a huge bill and you're like, what was this? Like you just knocked it up with a hammer a couple times. And they're like, yeah, the, whatever the cost is, 
was really just for knowing where to knock the hammer, right? Like two bucks for the hammer knock and everything else was for knowing where to knock the hammer. And I think that's exactly how it is. Yeah, no, I love that. And I had a similar experience in the same analogy. It's so well put. A guy came to do my internet, right? And he was done in 10 minutes, if that. Yeah. Right. And, <laughs> and I, had this, I had this bill for like $500. And yeah. I said, there, there must be people who I get it. I said, you are so good at what you do. You have such a wealth of experience, you know, over years that you can do this in 10 minutes and, and you do it right, which is really important too. Yes. Right. Um, yeah. And he said, yeah, I get people who complain all the time to me. He said, I sometimes will just spend another 50 minutes doing things that absolutely don't pertain <laughs> to it at all. <laughs> just so, so it's such a great point. And, you know, you talk about simplicity. You know, I have a bunch of things I just want to hit on because you're so valuable in teaching people about this, you know, and your quote is, I've seen many coaching clients with complex tracking systems, sciencey gadget outputs, and color-coded spreadsheets. The question I always ask, are those systems actually helping you, right? Mm-hmm. And so talk about that because I'm, I'm so aligned with that. It, it's, we're living in the greatest time for all this stuff, but do people really use it? Can they really use it? Yeah. And I, I think it's worth mentioning right off the bat that there there is that like 2% of people that truly thrive on epic data collection. Like that's how their brains work. That's how they process information. They look at their spreadsheet, they get excited and energized and off they go to do the things and they can do that sustainably. So there is that very small proportion of people for whom that works incredibly well. And usually like they're rocket scientists or IT people, (laughs) you know, like someone working in a technical (laughs) field, right? But for everybody else, the sheer amount of information is, overwhelming or and or unsustainable and or a distraction from actually doing the things. It's like, let me just make this massive spreadsheet rather than going to do the thing that I should be doing. And it's interesting because we used to work with um, MC Schreifel. I don't know if you know their work, but like they're a professor of computer science over in the UK. And the, the specialty was to some degree in wearable tracking devices. And the finding of their work was (laughs) people use wearables largely to tell themselves that they have worked out. Now, like, I don't know if you were anesthetized through your whole workout, but I don't think you need a (laughs) gadget to tell you that you worked out. So people don't actually do anything with the data. They don't look for trends and try to iterate on or anything like that. So from almost all angles of attack, these tools are not helpful. Like at worst, they are distractions and procrastination techniques from actually doing the things. I so agree. And I have, thanks to my, you know, business, every new gadget, you you name it, the shirts and, you know, biometric everything and trackers and and you know, I remember back KSD to like when the first polar heart rate monitor came out and I would get paid to go to people's houses just to show them how to set it up. And to your point, like mm-hmm. it didn't like they never. First of all, the, the, the zones are off for so many of them. There's so much involved that at the very base of this all is just doing it right. So we could argue, yes, if it, if it motivates you to do it. Awesome. But the actual metrics <laughs> that that it's pumping out, uh, by the way, I used to have that anytime that 2% came to me when I used to coach people for like Ironmans and marathons, I would push them off to another coach because I'd say, you know what, <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't enjoy that. I have the knowledge, but I don't want to spend the time with you going over your Excel chart, but it's a small percentage, right? And you went there when you were discussing the DNA uh, issue with this other interviewer when you said, listen, even if this DNA test could tell you exactly what you should eat right? And how much you should, you know, your exact plan. Who can actually do it, right? Who can actually implement that? 
And that's a huge part of what we're talking about here with nutrition and exercise. Yeah. And especially who can do that, not only in terms of your own individual skill level and personality characteristics and whatever, but also to live as a real person in the real world. Right. And I, I think the demographic that gets most interested in these things like optimization tend to be single, younger, often male, uh, often people <laughs> working in technical fields, right? Because they have the time and space and inclination to focus on this stuff. But as soon as you have, I don't know, a crazy commute or a new puppy or a family or a relationship or an aging parent or whatever, like this thing just goes to crap like <laughs> because you just cannot, right. it, it's just a house of cards and optimization is just meaningless in that context. Yeah. I, I, again, to the second level term I use when people say, and I'm sure you get it all the time, what's the best protein? What's the best fill in the blank? And I say, yeah. okay, let's assume that KSD and I told you right now it's pea protein, like the best or yeah, yes, it's wh whatever. How can you possibly get that in? As you're saying, when you go to a restaurant, when you're traveling, you know, you're not going to do that. So focus on getting in the amount of protein you should every day. And then we can start to have that conversation. But 99% of people don't, aren't successful at the, at the first level. No, absolutely right. And it is really surprising and shocking, I think, if you do not work in this field to see how few people can actually do core fundamental behaviors. And there's, there's a variety of studies out there that like look at various basic behaviors that people could be doing, right? Do you smoke? Uh, do you drink excessively? Do you wear your seatbelt? Do you eat vegetables? Do you go out for a walk? Like, you know, do you get, I don't know, a baseline of 20 minutes of movement a day? Like whatever the criteria is. Sure. And typically the estimates range between like four and 10%, depending on what the behaviors are. Uh, of anyone doing all of those basic things consistently. And so even if you're working with professional athletes, I would say even more sometimes with professional athletes because they are young, most of them. Yeah. Uh, a lot of them are unattached. They live with roommates. They're broke. They're traveling. They're busy. They're training. <laughs> right. They're doing laundry, right? Like right. these are not super beings sleeping in bariatric chambers for the most part. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, so, so even the basics, uh, uh, you know, are, are not being done by elites. So why would anyone who's just an average schmo be doing them effectively? Right. I would say like, you know, I have a couple of friends who focus on the elites, uh, and you know, they often come <laughs> with great genetics, not that they don't work hard and all that kind of stuff, but you know, they, they are way ahead of the game. Uh, and yes. it's not necessarily the coach, <laughs> right? If the coach can just keep them from the bad behaviors, oftentimes, uh, you know, they're doing, uh, more than most, uh, you're kind of alluding to, you talk about four elements of a successful system and it's not going to be what people expect, right? You talk about playing the long game, robust and resilient. Um, it needs to be simple and it, you need to be able to do the things consistently. Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of came up in the generation of kind of early to mid nineties bodybuilding where, and, and kind of powerlifting strength sports where it was like, just shut up and squat, right? Like that was always the <laughs> right. mantra. Like, and that was, a, that was the era of like 20 rep squats where you just drink a gallon of milk and then get in the squat rack and <laughs> throw it all up. And, and like, but the, but the, the mantra was always like, get in there and just do the freaking work. And so that's, that's a mentality that I've, uh, that I've always carried forward. But this is exactly right. I mean, playing the long game is is very key. And I think a lot of people get very focused on, okay, you know, what am I doing today? What am I doing this week? What am I doing this month? Like I'm on the, I don't know, eight month or eight week transformation program. Okay, cool. Um, what does that look like in five years, 10 years, 20 years? And I mean, there's been some really interesting documentaries that have come out about some of the legends in bodybuilding and powerlifting and what happens to them 20, 30 years oh, yeah. later when they continue with basically unsustainable protocols, um, you know, it's not a pretty thing. So ideally, unless you're the kind of person who is just 
truly willing to put it all on the line for you know whatever crazy thing you're doing because that's you know those are the daredevils and explorers of the world um you know most of us really do need to be playing this kind of long game of moderation right right and and moderation just doesn't sell <laughs> i would say case no, it's boring. <laughs> i pitched you know my most recent books about you know shorter workouts and things like that which i totally believe in a practice and i know you do too um but you know when we were going over the title with the publisher and they're younger than you and I are. Um, long story short, <laughs> I said, I love excessive moderation, term I have been using for years. And they're like, we hate that. <laughs> like, there's no, <laughs> there's no chance. Where, and I was like, of course not, because that's, you know, what makes sense. Yeah, it, it's that simplistic stuff, uh, you know, done frequently that just lead to results. And, you know, one of my best coaches back in the day before I started coaching KSD was someone who he would fax me the triathlon workouts. And there was no specificity. Mm. It was time in the saddle. It was run for an hour. It was, you know, mm. and he was going to make me earn the right to do the more complicated stuff. But even then, it's 80-20, right? You still want to do a lot of endurance, a lot of the boring stuff. And people just aren't willing to do the boring stuff. Yeah, and I think that culturally, we have, be we have gotten further and further away from boredom and the value of boredom and, yes. and the ability to tolerate boredom. And I, you know, not to make sweeping pronouncements on like kids these days or anything like that, but I do feel like the ability to sustain attention on tedious tasks is a scarce commodity now. And if you're someone listening to this who is younger, you know, I would say like whatever is scarce is valuable, right? So if you can actually develop and cultivate that ability to focus and be intentional and attentional, I mean, you will become incredibly valuable in an economy where everyone has the attention span of like, a, you know, a, a gerbil on espresso right now. <laughs> I totally agree. And it's, this is where it gets really depressing. Again, back to the comfort crisis. He talks about that in the book. And uh, I don't know if you're a Seinfeld person, but I thanked him for that because there's a scene where Putty is on a plane with Elaine and he's just staring at the front of the seat. And she says, do you need a book? And he's like, no. And she said, are you going to watch a movie? And he's like, no, I'm just going to sit here. <laughs> like, yes. And it was so yeah. weird, but like, that's what I love, KSD, about my running and my endurance. Like, that's my mental time. And I know you even yeah. use that. You know, it's it's about sanity more than vanity now. You still get the vanity side, speaking about exercise. But being alone with our thoughts, no one's doing it anymore. And it's really no. scary. And and that is really where the, the breakthroughs come. And by the way, sanity over vanity is genius. I wish I had thought of it. But um like, you know, and everyone is, is, you know, everyone, but, you know, people are often looking for insights and ideas and problem solving. And the reality is that ironically, boredom and time with our thoughts is generally what creates them. It's like, you know, when you're washing the dishes and you're standing at the sink and thinking about nothing particular, and all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, I just, you know, thought of that way to solve that problem that's been bugging me. So there is tremendous value in putting our brains and our bodies on idle <laughs> or just kind of like putting it on cruise control, letting them go because we can't be hard-assing it all the time. We can't be redlining it all the time. And, you know, I, I think that there are fitness movements that have emerged in the last while and nutrition too, where there's such an emphasis on the extremes, like never eat this entire food group ever yes. again. Um, always go beast mode. Like it's always, a, it's a very like <laughs> never always kind of thing. Yeah. And you know, every PR, every workout, whatever it is. And it's like, fundamentally, biology does not work that way. You cannot be at the peak performance or the peak mood or the peak cognition or whatever it is at all times. It's simply <laughs> impossible. 
Yeah, you're, you know, I've done these shows and usually they're like, I do a shorter show on Fridays, fit tips, but you know, that line of, and I need to mention the, the specific company, but beat yesterday. And as you're saying, like, it just violates Exercise Fizz 101 about rest days and recovery and all that stuff. And I'm not impressed with those people. And, you know, they're not going to be the ones who are healthy. You know, you had the extremes with the bodybuilders and things like that. But I think that's a huge problem is back to your, you know, point about the long-term approach. We just, we don't have that as human beings, whether it's with goal setting. And then they ascribe their injuries, whatever it may be, KSD, to something totally unrelated, right? Oh, it wasn't the fact that I was, you know, doing as many reps as possible of deadlifts, you know, for a month straight that my back suddenly went out when I went to pick up my toothbrush, right? And so there's a huge problem with the causation correlation, I think, with people. Yeah, I think that's, um, and, if, and if folks don't understand the physiology of injury, I, I think that is one of the things that's so mysterious about it, because exactly as you say, oh, I bent over to load the dishwasher. I bent over to pick up a pencil. My back just went out. That's so weird. Yeah. But if you could see inside your body, it would be like, you know, when you, when you fold and unfold a paperclip a whole bunch of times, right? Like you don't see the first 19 times that that paperclip is being stressed. You just see the 20th time that it snaps. And, and people are just so confused. I, I honestly feel like some sports just keep uh, chiropractors and physios in business. Like <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's probably some kind of organized crime uh, ring. Where it's just yeah. like, let me send you our busted up people. And then, you know, every, you, you buy into the ideology and then we just send you back. Right. I've, I've been thinking a lot lately about um, how, how people's minds and belief systems get colonized such that, you know, it's really hard to see outside of those ideologies. And so it's like, ah, oh, why do I keep hurting my knee or my back, my shoulder? oh, well, I guess I have to go do this thing. Like it just, it becomes so circular and your mind is unable to step outside of that river and go, is this like, is my fundamental belief about how this works maybe incorrect rather than my body letting me down? Maybe that's a thing. Right, right. And it's so hard for people to make that connection, especially when, as you're saying, like there's so many people around him who are saying, do this with us and it's yeah. fine, right? Um, it's normal. It's normal. It's normal to be all jacked up all the time. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? Like when I was coaching people, like do no harm, right? If if someone got hurt, like that I was coaching, it generally didn't have, we were going so slowly and, and I used to lose so many clients, even my books, KSD, like my marathon book, triathlon book, the, the comments that are negative are generally like, this is too easy. This, this can't possibly yeah. work. You know, the only time I responded to a, a review way back for my first book was someone who picked up my marathon book, didn't, you know, was going into the bookstore for another book, couldn't find it, picked up mine, read it, said, this sucks, and then said, you know, this can't possibly work. And I said, you know, that's analogous to like reading a cookbook and a recipe and saying, this must really taste like crap before you even try it. Like, try it, then tell yeah. me it tastes like crap. But it's, again, it was that slow, progressive moderation um, that so few people are willing to do. And and I, I, how do we turn that around? How do we get that message out there? I know you're preaching it, I'm preaching it, but it's almost like human nature and, and technology and everything in today's world is fighting against it. Well, I think one of the killer apps here uh, is aging. <laughs> because... Yeah. There often comes a time when your body says to you, I'm sorry, my friend, we cannot do these shenanigans anymore. And you're forced to have some kind of reckoning with a different way of doing things. And typically the kinds of people that I work with uh, are almost like refugees from whatever paradigm that they were previously working in <laughs> and, and kind of just burn themselves into the ground in yeah. some way or another and have reached the point of openness to new things. And 
ideally you would love to get people before that happens. But a lot of the times it's like they have to go through the crappiness and the self-destruction before they can kind of have the openness to like just consider new ways of doing things. Uh, I mean, in psychology, they call it creative hopelessness where you kind of reach this point. You're like, wow, everything sucks. All my tools are broken. Um, now what do I do? So I'd, I'd rather it didn't work like that, but uh, sometimes it does seem to. So aging is is one uh, pathway to that. Injury is another, um, some kind of massive life change. I mean, I think the pandemic has gotten a lot of people thinking differently about a lot of things. Yeah, it's unfortunate, right? The double-edged sword with that, you know, uh, let's hope, right? That working out at home and shorter workouts and all those things that we've been preaching for so long. And, and again, that, you know, it's about your immune system and so much more than the scale. I mean, we even talked about that. I don't even want to go there because, you know, that, that there's the benefits of exercise and nutrition and so far outweigh just a simple number on a scale. And and we have to get away from that as like the determining factor, whether or not your, your program's working. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I would love to see something like quality of life be a metric uh, enjoyment and like even endurance training is an interesting cat because it's like so many people get so focused on being a good or bad person via endurance training, right? Like if I go faster, if I go longer, I'm a better person, or if I lose weight or I don't, I'm a better person. But I think that just erases 95% of what makes endurance training so wonderful and lovely. Like you get outside and you're on a bike or you're swimming or you're running or you maybe you're in, your, you're in a forest or on a trail. Like there's so many amazing things about this mode of physical experience that are so erased. Um, so, I mean, I, yeah, I would love to see quality of life, quality of movement, quality of experience. Um, I mean, there are some works out there on things like mindfulness and running. So I, I think there's an emerging awareness of it. But uh, yeah, that would be my dream to see that become part of the endurance <laughs> mentality. I don't know if it will be. <laughs> you know, no, you're, and you're many of the guys I started with and, and women who started and were the type A's. And I get it. Listen, I'm competitive. Don't get me wrong. Like, but uh, at the end of the day, I want to be doing this when I'm 100. I don't want to do anything that's going to hurt me. And I want to enjoy the moment. And you have exactly. that. I have a great quote from you. You say, true success as a human is being enough, having, doing, and feeling enough in the present moment. When you start to feel that this moment is enough, you start to feel incredibly successful, even if the moments themselves are perfectly banal. And, and they're not. They're amazing, yeah. right? Um, yeah. And, and that goes to, KST, like what I learned from doing all of these Ironmans and ultras and marathons is that word. That's my word when things get tough is just be. And just be in the yeah. moment. Just and that's what it's taught me amongst you know many other things, but just being in the moment. And that is so hard for people to do, again, given technology and everything else. Um, and it's incredible if you can get there. 100 percent The word that I like to use is inhabit. So just fully inhabit. Like if you think of every moment as like a container that you can fill out completely if you want. Uh, inhabiting the moment, I think, is is the way that I think about it. And because I, I imagine almost like a like a fishbowl that a cat sits in. You know how cats kind of like expand <laughs> to fill the space that they're in, right? right? And it's like the cat gets in the fishbowl or the box or whatever, and it fully expands to fill it. And and we have the choice to do that. We have the, we always have the option to fully inhabit the moment, and or or we can shrink ourselves and kind of try to squeak through the hole into the next moment, right? But fully flourishing and kind of taking up space in the moment to me is really what it's all about. 
Yeah. And you also talk about, which I just love, uh, comparison to others. And you say, it can be tempting to feel like there is a magical everyone else that is somehow doing thinking, feeling better than you. Everyone else is doing this right. Everyone else is in better shape. Everyone else is getting it faster. Um, And you say, after teaching and coaching literally thousands of students and clients, I'll tell you, there is no everyone else. Your path is your path. Today, when you hear your brain say some version of everyone else is, does, has, fill in the blank, ask yourself, is this true? And keep asking that. I think that's so powerful, especially in the social media world, KSD, of like Instagram and people feeling bad about themselves and this snapshot in time that isn't even true. And I just love that you really embrace that. Like, it's, it's about you. Let everything else go. Put the blinders on. Yeah. Well, and, and there's an interesting kind of dialectic there because one of the things you're striving to do is, again, to use that word inhabit, fully inhabit yourself, whatever your selfness is. At the same time, you want to leverage that social connection piece for good. So rather than focusing on status and comparison and social hierarchies and, and internalized kind of judgment from others, real or imagined, usually imagined, um, what you really want to do is leverage that social part of your brain into connection and giving and supporting and helping and caring and you know putting good things back in the world. That is really when the social part of our brain is used for good. And I think that human beings have so many incredible, wonderful capacities that have been hijacked by, uh, you know, modern industrialized society in so many ways. Like we want to be good team members. We want to work hard. We want meaningful labor and projects and things to do. And we want other people to like us. And like, these are all awesome, awesome things. They just get hijacked and exploited in the service of dysfunctional goals. So, you know, whenever you find yourself kind of stuck in this, it's worth asking, can I leverage this part of myself that is probably a beautiful human capacity for something good? Yeah. And, and, and I mean, you talked about squats before. Another line I wrote down from you uh, is a heavy squat is always going to feel heavy, but it produces growth. Right. And, yeah. and, you know, I always say, KSD, the answers to all of this are on Instagram. It's the application, <laughs> right? Yeah. Everyone's posting yeah. this stuff, but so few or embracing it, understanding it, putting it into practice long term. And it goes to like the overload principle that you and I both know from exercise science, but that's physically and psychologically. And I would argue I care much more about the psychological because that leads to the physical. Um, but it's getting outside that comfort zone that's important, but not too far. Well, yeah. So we have we have this kind of idea of like a growth zone, which is kind of like that Goldilocks porridge idea of like it's it's or I call it sometimes like playing at the edge of the sandbox, which (laughs) is still kind of safe, but you know, you're at the edges, right? And so if you think about like three concentric circles, one of them, you know, the the smallest one is like your zone of safety, security, predictability, certainty, things you know how to do well, things you're comfortable in. And then there's a, a circle just outside of that, which is the growth zone. So it's just a little uncomfortable, just a little uncertain or unpredictable, or just, you know, just slightly outside the limits of your abilities. And then there's a third circle, which is like definitely impossible. So a lot of the time we want to be kind of oscillating between our security and safety and uncertainty and unpredictability. We can't, we can't be chronically living in a state of growth any more than we can chronically live in a state of, like we can't be squatting all of the time, (laughs) right? right? There is, there has to be that rhythm of like stress recovery, stress recovery. And so the same thing with growth, you know, it's like push into the uncertainty and then come home to a nice warm meal and a hot shower, and then go out the next day and do it again. And so it's in that oscillation that you're able to continually grow and that your growth zone continues to expand. 
I mean, you definitely do not want to stay in your safe zone at all times because that's when stagnation occurs. But you you have to kind of like titrate and oscillate and rhythmically attempt um, the path of growth because too much, too soon, overwhelming is what we call trauma, of course. Right. And that's what drives me nuts about, you know, the fad diets and things like that. What we're kind of talking about here is self-efficacy and, you know, being successful, situational confidence. And when you try these fad diets, you're successful. You do what they ask, right? It's just they were meant to be short term. You lost a lot of water and a bunch of other things. But it erodes, I would argue, that self-efficacy. It does not build it up. And so you don't think you can be successful and you're less likely to do the right challenges, right? To go outside that comfort zone in the right way. And that's so problematic. And that's, you know, we want to build up that self-efficacy, not not break it down. Yeah. And the image I have, as you say that, is something like a staircase where we hop up one little step and then we pause on that plateau to celebrate that moment of like, yeah, I did right. that. And, I, and then I'm not rolling back down. Like I am now on this plateau from which I can hop to the next step eventually. And so it almost becomes like a ratchet where it's like chunk, chunk, chunk. Like you kind of are always moving forward more or less. Um, but you also have time to sort of pause on those steps. But like what you've done is evidence. Like you can look at it and say, I did that thing. That was a real thing that I did. So you don't have to rely on like affirmations like you're awesome. <laughs> Give me a break. Like who believes that, right? <laughs> but if you can point to, like, for example, just today, something really silly I ran home from the gym this morning because it was it was raining and I was like, I could take the bus or I could just go slog it out in the rain. And I had a little tiny feeling of accomplishment, a little tiny feeling of being a badass just from running in the rain. Right. And it, again, it's a silly thing, but I can point to it and say, you know what? I had the choice to take the comfort path. In this instance, I chose not to. And that's something that I did as evidence you know, of the person I want to become. And that's, you know, if you work with clients, you can continually hammer on those moments and say, you did that. It's a real thing. It's evidence. Um, and over time, it just starts to change your perception of what's possible. So I knew I would love speaking with you so much is I, I just did a podcast on why you should run in the rain. <laughs> right? tell, <laughs> tell me how much fun it was, though. It was so much fun, oh, wasn't great. it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, well, I mean, living in Vancouver, British Columbia, you might as well get used to the rain. <laughs> and so like one of my projects, because uh, I'm not from Vancouver originally, I'm, I'm from Toronto. So this is like a learning curve for me to get used to the rain. But I have decided I'm going to confront the rain. Like I'm going right. to just, you know, get over the hump of avoiding activities in the rain because if that's what you want to do here, you're going to be inside and sad right. <laughs> a lot of the time. Right. It's just, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I get texts all the time from friends who are driving and I run through the puddles. I mean, I'm eight years old. I'm having so much fun. Granted, it's it's not oh, freezing. Yeah. I don't want to be cold, Cassidy, but like it is so much fun. And but I get the text where people are like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> right. And that's actually part of the fun. Like, you know, if people don't see you doing it, is it, you know, it's a tree falling in the woods type of thing. But it is for yourself, too. And it's it's you know, it's outside the comfort zone, but it's in a fun, unique, novel way, right? Um, let's pull this together with stress. You talk about stress and one of my favorite topics too, along with like self-efficacy. And you have a line where you say, the reality is you will almost always be under some kind of stress facing unexpected events, busy, rushed, scattered, dealing with change or anything other than what imaginary perfect moment you uh, when your fragile complex system works, right? So I think back, I will never forget Richard Simmons on a, his radio show and someone called up KSD and like gave him this litany of like people that died, like just hor horrific things happening in their life and like, you know, five at the same time. And I was waiting for Richard Simmons to really kind of, you know, assuage their you know, feelings and all that kind of stuff. And he said, 
that's life. He said, you're always going to, and it was a little harsh, I thought, but like, he's like, you will always have those obstacles and we have to figure out the healthy way to deal with them. And that stress is a process, right? People also don't want to hear that. Yeah, I think befriending those destabilizing events is really key, like accepting and befriending them. And um, I'm blanking on the name of this effect, but there is this kind of cognitive bias where we expect to have this sort of idealized future. Like just around the corner is this idealized future where stuff doesn't happen. Right. People don't get sick or die or meetings at work don't go long or traffic isn't a thing. Like, But of course, this this does not exist. And, and most of the things that happen to us can be fairly reasonably predicted. Um, of course, you know, pandemics, maybe not. Although, you know, some people say we could have <laughs> at some point probably seen this one coming, same with climate change, right? right. Um, but, you know, like people die. Like this is a reasonable prediction to make. Traffic happens, reasonable prediction to make. And so like in a way, accepting the presence of these events as part of the fabric of your life in a way makes it easier to deal with. Like once you kind of get over the hump of like existential panic about the fundamental uncertainty of sure. life, like once you, once you get over that and just kind of let the waves wash over you, everything becomes just so much easier and you become so much more robust and resilient because you're always thinking about, okay, how can I you know, route myself around this obstacle? So not necessarily smashing through it or even what we would say overcoming it, but like just routing through. Like, so for, I was telling you before we got on this call this morning, I woke up with a weird eye thing. I couldn't open one of my eyes all the way. And I was like, but I, I still plan to go to the gym. And I was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure I can squat by field today. Right. And so off I went and stumbled on the bus. I have open. Right. And, and like, I just routed around that obstacle today. And I'm not saying, you know, go and work out with no matter what's wrong with you, but it's more like, I, I retained that spirit of creativity of like, what can I do? Oh, I can open one eye. I can squat by feel. I can take the bus, right? So, I mean, the sooner that you accept that shit happens right. and like, as you know, I'm 48, you're 52. I think you said like, yeah. this happens. And the the longer we age, the more stuff accumulates. So you can either go kicking and screaming about it, or you can, can embrace it early and and float with it because like those are the only two options. <laughs> right, right. I mean, my wife wants to kill me because I am the complete underreactor thanks to this approach to like, you know, life stuff happens and there's always going to be obstacles. And, you know, back to the self-efficacy, the more you confront them, approach avoidance, you're going to get stronger and more resilient. All those terms that are thrown out there again today. But that's what going outside your comfort zone does. It gives you the confidence and the tools. You know, the stress process is, have I experienced this before? And if I have, do I, or if I haven't, do I have the tools necessary to, to deal with it? And if I have, awesome, right? I've done this yeah. before, right? And actually just, you know, when I was getting ready to run across the Grand Canyon back, like I sat in this hotel room the night before and I'm like, oh my gosh. And I went through like 30 different things that could go wrong. And then I just put them aside and not one of them did. Right. And things that mm. kind of should have <laughs> that, that normally did um, on a much shorter uh, experience. So, yeah, the worry and the stress, stress will always be there. And we're not programmed to have the stress as you talk about frequently, too, that we do today. This is not how we evolved. And it's really negative um, for our health. And so control what we can kind of wrap it up with that. Right. Control what you can. Yeah. And don't try to control anything else. Uh, I mean, like there are so many things that are fundamentally uncontrollable. And I think really acknowledging that and, and not in an apathetic kind of way, 
but recognizing that you can still act even if there are, uh, there's there's so much um, uncertainty and like one of the little nuggets of information that I think about a lot is that as we age past a certain point like when we're younger it's all risk all the time right like just right. stupid stuff constantly and then at some point as we age our amygdala, our fear center becomes much more active to the point where it starts to almost hypertrophy. Like if I was to look inside your brain, I would see this fear center physically getting bigger. And that fact has always stuck with me because it's like, yes, of course, as you age, as you become more frail, more physically vulnerable, it would make evolutionary sense to become more fearful. And, you know, which is why you see so many older people, worlds start to shrink and shrink and shrink. Like, oh, I don't know. There's too many people there. I don't want to travel there. What if something happens? I saw this happening in both my parents, that their fear centers just started to really amplify. And I thought there's no way I'm going (laughs) out like that. And so like, now that I know this is happening, I am going to fight tooth and nail. And I, and I know I just said a moment ago about kicking and screaming, like I can accept the fear, but I don't have to be determined by it. And knowing that I, I have found really, really helpful to know that this fear is not actually useful information most of the time. That's such a great point. And, and that's, you know, where it gets a little complex with evolution and stuff that, again, was, was protective in a totally different context, right, than, than what we're living in today. And that's good and bad. Um, I'm not sure my amygdala has changed much, <laughs> which, which is sort of, <laughs> it's also grown up with five brothers, KSD. I, I've, I have problems, which is why I run really far. And, you know, I used to say it was cheaper than therapy. But, um, oh, my gosh, we could go on for hours more. Thank you so much. There was, we were going to talk about, you know, diet stuff. And I'm like, you know what? I don't even want to go there. You know, you have a great article that I, I, people should read eight biggest diet problems, right? If you want to learn about that and really how to approach eating, Google that. That's a great resource. But I just love that it's, it's the psychology KSD that, that we need to, mm-hmm. to focus on. Right. And we'll finish with this. You know, you said control what you can and expect it. You know, exercise makes us feel good back to the sanity over vanity. And again, you still get the vanity. But control what you eat. I end every show, KSD, saying that. We control three things. What we put into our mouths, how much we move, and our attitudes. And that's exciting, right? And take that. And, and far too often we're told we don't have that control, that it's your genetics, that it's your DNA, that you can't escape that. Not true. Yeah. And you, you can move. I mean, I like that we're using the word movement, right? It's not exercise. It's not working out necessarily. If we expand it conceptually to the concept of movement, there are all kinds of ways to experience your body in a kinetic way um, that have nothing to do with quote unquote exercise or working out or training or competition or anything like that. Um, you know, those things are fun if you enjoy them, but it's like, if you think creatively about like, what are all of the options that are available to me? So rather than, I think, you know, I think that diet and fitness culture tend to constrain and shrink our options rather than expand, right? Oh, it can only be this way. It can only be that way. You can only work out like this. It's got to be eight reps rather than 10. You know, I joke with a, so coach friends of mine, like, oh my God, never do nine reps. Like that's, that's <laughs> right, just like right. the zone of no go, right? Um, so if you can allow yourself to think creatively and on the fly and adaptively and openly about what all of these things mean, I think you'll find that the world just opens up so many possibilities to you for what you do with all of those things. And I mean, here's a concrete example. People always get freaked out um, at Precision Nutrition. We have a a list of high protein foods. Uh, You know, it's like a little shopping list. And we very clearly say like, this is 
I mean, we cater to a global audience, right? So these are foods that people might be eating from all over the world. And of course, usually the kind of Anglo-American readers freak out because they're like, there's bugs on here. There's whales. There's seafood I don't recognize. There's like guinea pigs, like kangaroo, like who's eating, (laughs) who's crocodile, who's who's eating this stuff. And it's like, well, you know, if you travel all over the world, you see that people are very flexible and creative about what they eat as their protein. The more creative you are, the more options you have. So, I mean, that's maybe what I would close it out with is always, always be thinking creatively, kind of opportunistically, um, and adaptively, and you'll never run out of possibilities for yourself. Right. There is no one way, you know, omnivore scavenger you talk about, which I agree. You look at evolution. Um, we adapted in certain ways, but, you know, find the carbs you like, find the protein you like, find the fats you like, find the exercise you like. And I love that you say, I, I want to get away from that term. I don't know what we, a movement for now, right? But, you know, you can go to the gym five days a week for an hour and, and sit all day long and you're going to be really unhealthy. So it's not about going to the gym. It's not about doing an hour. It's not about doing a marathon. It's about moving all day long and, and the benefits that come from that. I'll finish with this line that you have about it. You say, um, movement is the medication I need to take every day. And I'm 100% mm-hmm. with you. And if I don't, like, I'm going to be a horrible person to be around, <laughs> right? Yeah. As I'm sure you are. <laughs> but let's, let's yep. finish right there. I, I've said that like nine times, but like, if I said to you, KSD, you couldn't do your movement, you couldn't exercise, you couldn't do those healthy habits you have now, you'd be really annoyed, right? And so there is a point, I call it, you know, that uh, tipping point with people where what you thought was unpleasant becomes really pleasant. And that goes for healthy eating and exercise, movement, whatever well, you want to call it. Not just pleasant, it becomes your anchor and your lifeline. Exactly. And everyone has the capability. I always sound, now I feel like, you know, <laughs> looking in the mirror, but it's true. Like everyone has the capacity and the capability to get there. Just keep trying. There is no failure. Um, find what resonates with you and keep trying. You know, just because you don't like indoor cycling, that's okay, right? <laughs> maybe yeah. it's Zumba. Maybe it's swimming. Maybe it's walking. Maybe yeah. it's jumping rope. There's so many different options. What's your go-to workout? We'll leave it with that. Well, it's it's changed a bit. I mean, I used to be kind of an old school weights person, but with the pandemic, I mean, I actually just joined the gym like two weeks ago. Like so since, you know, for the first time since uh, March, 2020. And so over the last couple of years-ish, I have been training outside exclusively and I have come to love it in, in such a way that uh, even old school strength training can't reproduce. I mean, like I figured out, for example, like living in Vancouver, like I can go to the beach and there's like that little showers, you know, that people have to wash the sand off their feet. I can hang my TRX off that. And so I can do a TRX workout with a view of the ocean and a view of the mountains. And I'm like, why would I ever go back to a gym again? So my preferred movement at the moment is outdoor, whatever that is, uh, rucking, hauling, climbing on beach debris, putting the TRX, <laughs> running, cycling when it's nice. I mean, that's my jam right now. And, and I'm loving it. I, I so agree. I have all the, you know, work with a couple uh, different equipment companies, home exercise. I have it all, but I, like you, I want to be outside. <laughs> Unless, yeah. Even when it's raining. I mean, it, it's oh, got to be thundering and lightning, right? But to, to bring yeah. us inside. 
And even then, totally, it has to be apocalyptic, <laughs> exactly. uh, and like like actively dangerous. I mean, there are parts around here of, around Vancouver where it's like mess around and find out, right? Right, <laughs> like, right, <know>? right, right. <laughs> Darwinian, but, but Darwinian, exactly, <laughs> <Yeah>. exactly. <laughs> um, PN, tell people about Precision Nutrition who want to continue with you or the program. Tell them a little bit about it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, PrecisionNutrition.com. You can go and and see what we're all about because there's so much free stuff on the site. All kinds of articles about all kinds of topics and in all domains of what we call deep health, which is this right. kind of, you know, lots of different ways to be healthy. That's your physical health, mental health, social health, whatever. Um, and so, you know, we coach clients at Precision Nutrition. We also teach coaches how to coach. And so we've got all kinds of courses on everything from physiology to psychology. We just put out this certification on sleep, stress management, and recovery. So that goes along with our uh, level one and level two kind of nutrition and health certifications. So you know, you can go and get a ton of free stuff and do a deep dive into deep health, as it were. And then, you know, if that's something that you're you're into, you can always take one of our courses or or get certified if that's your jam. You know, whether you're yeah in the industry and, and want that background and, and evidence-based, just amazing resource. And it perfectly brings us all the way back to where we started. Why don't you just talk about nutrition? Because you can't. <laughs> because <You> can't. <laughs> because it's psychology and it's exercise and it's all of the above. So I can't thank you enough. What's next for you? Anything coming up? Anything fun? Yeah, well, our next, uh, I've been working on our next course at Precision Nutrition, which is a deep dive into digestive health, Ooh. which I know this might be weird, but I've always found like gastroenterology super <laughs> interesting. And I realize I'm uh, kind of a weirdo about that one. But Someone's got to do a KSD. That's, <laughs> that's right. That's right. I'm falling on my sword for all of you. Yes. But it's just like, you know, like having an upset tummy just ruins your day. And I've always kind of found that fascinating with how bound we are to our digestive health. So uh, yeah, so eating, pooping, peristalsis, <laughs> it's all in there. I get to make fart jokes. I mean, this is this is really, I'm in my element. So that'll come out uh, in, in the new year. <laughs> there you go. That's what we have to look forward to. Uh, that is uh, awesome. And again, thank you so much. And I, I want to do this again. So I will be reaching out again. Thank you so much for taking the time. Well, thanks for having me. All right. And we will be right back after this short break. High Five Casino is a social casino with real prizes and big Vegas hits at HighFiveCasino.com. The hottest games right from Vegas and all winnings go straight to your bank account. Hundreds of exclusive games, free daily rewards, and come back to get free coins every four hours. Only at HighFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details at HighTheNumberFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, stay connected wherever you go and transform your vehicle into a dependable Wi-Fi hotspot. Powering applications like real-time GPS and voice assistant, navigation becomes a breeze. Even on the practice field, AT&T in-car Wi-Fi keeps you connected while in proximity of your vehicle. Work, stream shows, or finish homework without missing a beat. See if you're eligible for a free trial at att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi. Don't let connect 
connectivity via roadblock in your journey. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. And we are back. I said it at the start of the show, and I will say it to end it again. I have the greatest job in the world. I get to speak with people like KST, who makes my life better, who makes my family's life better as a result, my kids, my wife, and hopefully those of you who listen. Just such great information, such a great viewpoint, such a great diverse background of experience, education. And that's truly, as I said in the intro also, in my opinion, those are the best guests. Yeah, I love the, you know, the hard PhD scientists and the ones who like just specialize in that. Maybe they're not out and about, but they can really clarify their area of expertise for us. And that's hugely valuable. But I especially love guests like KSD, down to earth, always learning, realizes that it's not just exercise, it's not just nutrition, and it's not just motivation, it's all of the above. And how do we make sense of the noise? How do we figure out what works for us specifically? But if we don't know the science and we don't know that it depends, We can't possibly achieve our goals. And so thank you to KSD. Amazing, amazing. Follow her. Yet another resource to help you look better, feel better, live longer. Thank you, KSD, for taking the time. All right. If you want to reach out, Tom H. Fit is Instagram. Tom H. Fit is Twitter. My most recent book is The Micro Workout Plan. Great holiday gift (laughs) and a great gift for the new year as you set those goals that we will talk about in great length going forward. You can also go to fitnessdisrupted.com, email me through the site. Thank you for listening. Remember, there are three things we all control as KSD and I talked about. How much we move, what we put into our mouths, and our attitudes. And far too many people and articles and products tell you you don't have that control. You do. And make the change now. There are no small changes. Those are the changes you want. Small steps get you to your goal. All right? Thank you for listening. I'm Tom Holland, exercise physiologist, certified sports nutritionist, and lover of everything health and wellness, especially when it comes to speaking with people like KSD. Believe in yourself. Fitness Disrupted is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. High Five Casino. High Five Casino is a social casino with real prizes and big Vegas hits at highfivecasino.com. The hottest games right from Vegas, and all winnings go straight to your bank account. Hundreds of exclusive games, free daily rewards, and come back to get free coins every four hours. Only at HighFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details at HighTheNumberFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino. Are you feeling overwhelmed by anxiety? Struggling to find restful sleep or plagued by a restless inability to focus? 
It's time to break free from the chains of mental health challenges and discover a path to healthy living. Welcome to Amen University, founded by renowned psychiatrist and brain health expert, Dr. Daniel Amen. Dr. Amen, alongside a team of esteemed doctors and experts in their fields, understands the struggles you're facing and are here to offer solutions. From debilitating anxiety to sleepless nights filled with worry, our courses are meticulously crafted to target these specific challenges head on. Join us on a journey of transformation led by Dr. Amen and a roster of top-tier professionals. Say goodbye to the constant battle with your mind and embrace a future filled with hope and possibility. Visit our website today to explore our courses and start your journey towards a brighter tomorrow. Use code BRAIN10 and get 10% off. That's code BRAIN10 and get 10% off your first purchase. Amen University, because your mental health matters. During the Right Rug Flooring Hello Summer Sale, you'll find savings throughout the store, all backed by the right price guarantee, including carpet with a lifetime stain warranty, only $159 installed with pad. That's right, $159 includes expert installation as soon as tomorrow. Visit rightrug.com, R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com to find a showroom near you or schedule a free in-home shopping appointment. Say hello to summer and save. Right Rug Flooring, right here, right now.